Let's open our Bibles this morning, Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3, as we continue in the book of Colossians. It's been uh, four weeks, five weeks since we've been here. And in the book of Colossians, we're going to pick up this morning. And we've been going verse by verse uh, through this book. This morning we'll be in Colossians chapter number 3. We're going to be studying verses 5 through 11. And uh, this morning, uh, Colossians chapter number 3. And look with me at verse number 5 this morning. Word of God says this, Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God commended on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them, But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let us pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for the wonderful music already this morning. God, I thank you how it's ministered to my heart and to our hearts. Lord, as we pick back up in Colossians this morning, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I I know that, Lord, it's been a minute since we've been in this book, but God, I believe that your word is always right on time. And Lord, we come this morning, God, not to hear from a man, but Father, we need to hear from you what your word says. Not what I have to say, but what your word has to say. Lord, I pray that you would challenge each one of us this morning. I pray that you would grow each one of us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to leave differently than we came. Lord, I pray that we would make decisions according to your word. Lord, bless everything that's said and done this morning. And we'll be careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. You're precious in your holy name we pray. Amen. It's been a few weeks since we've um, been in uh, this letter that Paul is writing to the church at Colossae. And if you're new with us, I just want to um, kind of quickly give you a, a quick rundown of this book so we can kind of get back in context and on the same page. Um, Paul is writing um, this letter. It's one of the four letters that we would refer to as a prison epistle, simply meaning this, Paul wrote them from prison um, to certain churches. Um, Colossae was a small, insignificant town. It was a town that Paul had never even been to, but while he's sitting in this prison cell, he had heard some things that were going on there. There was a man named Epaphras that had, start, that had uh, heard Paul preach, had got saved by the grace of God, had gone back to his hometown, Colossae, and had started a church. And this church was a good church. It was a growing church. It was a church that was full of love. It was a young church. And there was another town about nine miles from Colossae called Laodicea. Laodicea was another town where a church had been started and it, but it had begun to have been affected by false doctrine, by heresy. Some of that heresy, some of that false doctrine had begun to spread to the church at Colossae. So Paul is sitting in this Roman prison cell and he hears what's going on. He hears that there's false doctrine and that false doctrine may not be necessarily what we would think of as false doctrine. What it was is a lot of it was religion. 
Religion was being pushed instead of Jesus. And let me just say this. Anytime religion is pushed instead of Jesus, there's a problem, okay? And Paul, he addressed that, and he, he sees that, that, listen, religion won't save you. Religion won't change your life. The only thing that will change your life is the grace of Jesus Christ, the Word of God. So he's writing to this specific church, this specific town, for this specific purpose. He is addressing those within the church that had been faithful, that haven't been swayed yet. The previous parts of the letter that we've studied already, he hits some doctrinal things and some theological things. If you've been with us, uh, chapter number one, the preeminence of Christ, he reminds the church that, listen, Christ is first. He is preeminent. He always has been and always will be. He is the very God, okay? He started out by talking about that. He goes through other doctrine. He talks about the gospel and how the death, the burial, and the resurrection, man, it affects the life of the believer, and that's what our hope is in. That's what our trust is in, the fact that Jesus came and he he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross and our sin was imputed to him and his sin was or his life and righteousness was imputed to us now in our text this morning he kind of shifts gears from the theological and from the uh you know the, the foundational and the fundamental and he takes it really practical okay theology in and of itself is is good but if it doesn't affect how we live if it doesn't affect who we are man there, it's the difference of having a head knowledge and a heart knowledge. When our theology goes from our head to our heart, it's going to do something in our life. And here he's warning them about some things then that were affecting the church that Christians struggled with. And, and, and there are really some things that we struggle with. And he's going to say after salvation, there's some things that you put off. And then we're going to see next week, there's some things that you put on. Today in our text, he's going to talk about those things that we put off once we are saved. Now there's some things that we naturally put off. The moment that your salvation, I'm thankful that there's some things that are put off. Listen, death is put off for you. Y'all understand that, right? When you got saved, you have put off death. You have put off the penalty of sin. That happens automatically. But then, as we live the Christian life, there are some things that we must be aware of that Paul specifically nails to the wall here concerning personal Holiness. Let's dive into our text. Let's go back and read verses 1 through 4 just to put this in context. Then we're going to work through this text this morning. Verse number 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. So if you've been saved by the grace of God. We saw this already. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So he says this. Man, we should be seeking those things that are above. Set your affections on things above. Not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life, shall appear, then shall also ye appear with him in glory. Then he begins this new section this morning in verse number 5, and I want you to notice this first word. It says this word, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Remember when I first read that, and sometimes the King James can be a little bit, use some words that we may not use in the way that we use them. But he starts off by saying mortify. This simply means, and I don't go into all the Greek because it doesn't really matter, but let me tell you what it means, okay? It means to put to death. He says to mortify or to put to death. It literally means here to make dead. He tells the church at Colossae here, after salvation, there are some things in your life that may have been part of your life or may have been temptations even now that we must 
kill that we must put to death or they will kill you and they will put you to death. Notice the next words. Keep your Bibles open. Look at it. Verse number five. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. These worldly things, these earthly things in you. These things that are not heavenly. And then he begins to give a list here. Look at it. You got your Bibles open? Look at the first one. Fornication. So he says, man, the first thing that we need to make sure that is dead in our life is fornication, which is that sexual immorality. And we're going to come back to some of these here in a minute. But man, these, all of these things, you're going to notice this, they are countercultural. They're not what the culture today says is acceptable, and it's not what the culture then says is acceptable. If you're going to follow Jesus, can I just say this? You're going to be countercultural in the world that we live in. Okay? You're going to be going against the flow. And he says this, the first thing you're going to have to put to death is sexual sin in your life. You may say, Jake, I would never struggle with that. Then you're the one I'm talking to this morning. Because I've been in ministry, we've been in ministry 19 years, full-time vocational ministry for 19 years. There has not been a year that's gone by in my ministry where people who did not, who sat in church every week, I'm just telling you right now, that sang in the choir, that even loved Jesus and were good people, fall to sexual sin. He says this, we've got to put, we've got to put it to death in our life. We've got to decide we're not going down that road. Put it to death, sexual immorality. Notice the next one. We're going to come back to this. But he says, uncleanliness and inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. What in the world does that mean? Okay. He says, first of all, sexual morality. Then he says, impurity or impure passions or evil desires. He says, you need to put them to death. Then he, and you may say, I don't struggle with any of those. Well, it gets worse. Look at the next one. Covetousness, idolatry, greed, unhealthy desire for things, money, or stuff. Paul says we need to put all these to death. He says, church at Colossae, beware sexual immorality. Beware of impure passions. And maybe you're, uh, uh, you don't struggle with that. He says, beware of covetousness, wanting anything else, anyone else, or anywhere else. Paul says, put these things to death. And by the way, all of these are opposite of what the world says. Man, the world says more stuff. The world says more sex. The world says more this, more that. God says, through, the, through Paul here, put these things to death because they will bring death. Look at verse number, verse number 6. So he says, man, put these things to death. Verse 6. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So he reminds them that ever since Genesis chapter number 3, as we've talked about so much, ever since the fall of man because of sin, what ends up happening? There's death. He's saying these are the things that will bring death. These are the things that have brought death. James 1.15 says this, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Now when we think of lust, we automatically go to sexual sin, but lust is, is simply this. It's wanting anything else, anyone else, anywhere else. And some of us, if we're not careful, we're so focused on not what God has blessed us with, the wife that God's blessed us with, or the husband that God's blessed us with, the home that God's blessed us with, and the, how, and the job that Sometimes we can live so focused. He says, listen, if you're focused on everything you don't have, man, instead of what you do have, man, it can bring forth death in your life. Look at verse number 7. In which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them. He reminds them about their past. Now, this is important because after we've been in church for a little while, if we're not careful, we'll forget who we used to be. 
And we'll start saying things, well, I'm glad I'm not like those people, or I'm glad I'm not where they are. Can I just remind you, but for the grace of God this morning, we would still be, is anybody awake in here this morning? We would still be where we once were. Aren't you thankful for His grace this morning? I'm thankful that he's a friend of sinners, he loves sinners, he changes sinners. And that's why we need to be very careful about looking at people and say, I'm glad I'm not like them. Listen, we were all there. We were all, before the grace of God, we were all in the same boat. And that boat was headed straight to hell, okay? So he's reminding them of who they were. Now look at verse 8. But now ye also put off these. So he starts out with some pretty heavy ones, doesn't he? Man, sexual impurity. Man, covetousness. Impure passion. And just in case you haven't fallen there, and maybe you're here this morning and you're still thinking you're better than everybody else. Let's look at these next couple. But now ye also put off all these. By the way, this is what personal holiness is. Now most of it, and let me just stop right here. Many times Baptists and religious people, we're going to say, oh, we're never, we've never commit fornication. We would never publicly permit, uh, commit uh, covetousness. Okay, cool. Look at this. Anger. Wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, anger, (laughs) wrath. You know what wrath is? Is that extreme anger. Malice is ill will, wanting ill will towards someone. By the way, as I'm reading these, it describes a lot of Christians I know. Christians can be the meanest, hateful people in the world. Try being a pastor. Somebody help me this morning. Ill will, anger, hate, gossip, slander, blasphemy. That's what blasphemy means here. It's not talking about blasphemy of God. It's talking about slandering of other brothers and sisters. It's talking about gossiping. All these can lead to what's next in verse number 8. Filthy communication out of your mouth. So he's saying this. He's saying, listen... There's some things that we've got to put to death. Yes, this sexual sin. Yes, covetousness. But also, man, anger. I mean, when I read that, I was convicted. Malice. Man, all these having to do, really, when you think about it, with your mouth. How we treat other people. Look at verse 9. You got your Bibles open still? Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. So then he hits lying. He says, don't lie anymore because, listen, you've put off your old man. When you put off your old man, you should start living and walking in the new man. It makes you a different person. And let me just say this. Anybody can live by a bunch of rules. Anybody can. Where it gets hard is in these verses when it talks about how we treat other people. That's where, or when we don't get our way. You know, you find out who somebody is when they don't get their way. <laughs> He says that anger, malice, gossip. Man, he's hitting these things and he's saying, listen, these things bring just as much death as fornication. By the way, I've I've seen the mouth cause a whole lot more problems in a church than fornication. It is very quiet in here this morning. Look at verse 10. Having put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. He says, live in the image of your creator, the new man. The new Adam, not the old Adam. Not the life of death, but here's the good news. This is what the gospel does. We are to live a life of victory. Then look at verse number 11, and we're going to talk for a minute. Verse number 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. Now remember, this is a big deal. 
Because the Jews were the ones, those Jewish Christians who have gotten saved are the ones who are trying to put circumcision on everybody, that Old Testament stuff. They're trying to put the legalism on everybody. They're trying to put the rules on everybody. They're trying to put the regulation. And what, what Paul is saying here, listen, this would have been like a shot to them because they believed they had a special standing with God. They believed that because of their label of being a Jew that they were better than that other person. And what God is saying through Paul here is, listen, it's all level at the foot of the cross. Circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbaring nor Scythian, bond nor free. Christ is all and in all. He's saying, listen, there's some things as believers, if we're going to live the victorious Christian life, listen, we're going to have to put to death. Three things he specifically says to put to death, to be aware of. Three things, y'all listen to me, that followers of Jesus need to be aware and on guard about. And all three of these are countercultural. All three of these go against what the world says. The first one that we've already talked about, and we're just going to talk about it practically this morning, is this. If we're going to live and we're going to be followers of Jesus like he's called us to be, is we're going to have to have personal holiness when it comes to purity. Personal holiness when it comes to purity. Philippians 4.8, a verse many of us could quote, says this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, look at these last couple words. Think on these things. Man, personal holiness requires personal purity. And I just want to ask you this question this morning. What is it that you think about? You see, our minds, listen, that's what nobody in the world sees. What's in here? You say, preacher, I would never commit sexual immorality. Can I just say this? And I, man, I pray to God that I never do, and I pray to God that you never do. But can I tell you where it always starts? It always starts up here. It never just happens. You know, Pete, you ever heard somebody say, well, they just fell into sin? You ever heard that before? Very rarely does someone just fall into sin. It usually starts with something small. It doesn't get handled. Before it's too late, man, it's already spiraling out of control. What do you think about? What do you look at? Listen, and, and, and as graciously as I can say, and I know people make mistakes and God redeems, and I believe in a redeeming God and a forgiving God. I'm not here to beat you up, but for those of us that haven't fallen or jumped in to that type of sin yet, I want to just remind us God's plan for your life uh, is let me just say this, teenagers, first of all, God's plan for your life before marriage is purity. That's what the Bible teaches. It doesn't matter what the world says. It's not popular today. God's plan for you. And if you've messed up, listen, God can redeem you and restore you, but if you, I'm just telling you, that's God's plan. Purity before marriage. Young couples, married couples, God's plan for your life is purity within marriage. God's Word has given us the gift of intimacy to be enjoyed within the confines of marriage between one man and one woman. That's what the Word of God says. Young people, God's plan for you is purity till the marriage altar. Married couples, you say, preacher, why do we need to talk about this? Because it's important, it's a big deal. Marriage couples, God's plan and God's will is your spouse, and y'all listen to me, and no other. 
the grass, and you've heard me say it before, I think I stole it from a meme. How many of y'all like meme theology? Somebody help me this morning. The grass ain't greener on the other side. It's greener over the septic tank. I'm just being honest with you. I've seen people, man, I'm just telling you. I've seen lives wrecked. You have too. Man, I've seen marriages and homes torn apart. Man, I've been heartbroken. I sat in this office right down this hallway and wept over families. And let me just say this, and we'll move on. I'm not here to beat you up. I know it's Sunday morning. We need to be encouraged. I haven't been in the pulpit in five weeks. But it, it don't just start. It don't just happen overnight, y'all. Can I just give you some friendly advice, like some practical stuff? If you're a married person, your best friend should be your spouse. You need to put guardrails up. You, you need to. I'm just telling you. You need to. Married people have no business acting like single people. Something I wrote down. This is so practical. And you're going to think it's... And you think, why do you say this, preacher? Because I've seen it. God's people go home at night. God's people... And I don't think you should go to the bar anyway, but if you do, you should go with your wife. Not a bunch of single people. I'm just giving you some practical stuff that will help you stay out of trouble. You say, I don't believe you. I could take you to homes right now. Broken. I'm talking about people. Are y'all hearing me? My dad was a preacher. Same thing. Put up guardrails, man. Let me just give you another one real quick. Some of y'all are, in case you're not mad at me yet. And listen, man, and you know, man, I preach this out of love and care and concern this morning. You have no business having an emotional relationship at all with the opposite sex if you're already married. Like if I'm texting, and I, because of the job that I have, there's ladies I have to text and things like that, but my wife has free access to my phone. Can I just say this, men and women, if she, and, I, and I know I'm meddling a little bit this morning. We got some visitors. You may not want to come back, but we just try to keep it real. If your husband or your wife won't let you look at their phone, there's a problem. They're hiding something. It's telling you. Listen, sexual impurity, we need to kill it. It will kill your life. It will kill your family. Listen, here's the good news. God, maybe you're here and you're single. God has something special for you down the road. I'm just telling you to wait, man. If you're married and maybe you've lost, maybe you've lost what you would say, and I'm going to move on. I know, but listen, can I just say God can restore and relight and rekindle that relationship that you're in right now. Sexual immorality, this ain't a gray area. There's some areas that are gray. This is not one. The person that you're married to is the person that God wants you to be married to right now. Kill it right now. Some of us, I bet, I dare say, in between this service and the next service, we have 350 to 400 people. Somebody needs to cut off a Facebook messenger thing that's going on right now. Cut it off. It ain't worth Hey, it ain't worth it. It's not worth it. The tears and the heartache and the problems, I'm telling you, it's not worth it. Hey, the wreckage and the hurt and the things that your kids will go through, it's not worth it. Hey, a little baby that's not going to be raised by their mom and their dad, it's not worth it. Hey, one week into the next, I could have people in here stand up this morning and testify and say it's not worth it this morning. We need to kill it. Second thing that he says we need personal holiness when it comes to stuff. Now, maybe you don't struggle with that first one. This is one that in times of my life that I have struggled with. 
Like, when it comes to money, when it comes to things, when it comes to stuff. Man, he, he says this. He says, listen, if you are focused on stuff, you're going to be miserable. How many of y'all learned that the hard way? Like trying to keep up with the Joneses? There's going to always be somebody that's got more than you. And there's going to be some that look like they got more than you, and all they have is more debt than you. Man, I used to think about that. Man, how do they always got a new car? How do they have all that? How do they have that big old house? Man, how do, listen, a couple things here. You, or, you know, maybe they did work their tail off, and if they did, praise God, and they deserve it. You know, I don't like those that must be nice people either. I, when people say it must be nice, they're saying I'm too lazy to go do what they did to get what they got. But that's another sermon for another day. But sometimes we can, fo- we can fixate on so much on stuff. Can I just remind you, as verse number 4 says, there's coming a day, listen, when we're not going to be here anyway, most of that stuff does not matter. Your house is going to burn. Your cars, guess what? They ain't going to matter. All the money in the world isn't going to matter. So, man, the things are nice, and I like it. I love my 87 Toyota flatbed pickup I, with no air conditioning. I drove it yesterday. I hadn't seen it in a week because I was on vacation. I drove it yesterday. I love it. But you know what? I have to come to the realization, although there's not amount of money, well, everything's for sale for the right price. Somebody help me this morning. <laughs> although there's not an amount of money that could buy that thing, for, I, I've got to realize at the end of the day, it ain't going to matter. It's not going to matter. So stop worrying yourself over things that aren't eternal. That's what he's saying to them. We focus so much on this world, on things that don't matter, and it will make us miserable. We compare. It makes us miserable. We worry about everybody else, and it makes us miserable. So just ask yourself, that first one, man, am I struggling with the sexual immorality thing? I need to kill it. Man, am I struggling with covetousness? I need to kill it. And here's the real hard one, number three. Personal holiness, when it comes to my mouth and how I treat others. Now, preacher, I get the sexual immorality thing. I, I can, the covetousness thing, but my mouth, <laughs> this is a tough one. Man, the things that I say, anger, man, that blasphemy and gossip, that slander. What do you think with me here? On average, you have 30 conversations a day. You spend one-fifth of your life saying something. One year of your conversation, not counting social media, would fill an 800-page book 66 times. You speak between 20,000 and 30,000 words a day. You know, we're going to give account for our words. This is convicting to me, man. I don't have time to go there this morning, but if we were to go to James chapter number 3, and if you want to go back and read it, I encourage you to later, verses 1 through 12. It talks about our tongue, how we need to watch our mouth. And here's the thing, here's what I found. Christians, we're really good at this, you know, most of us, you know, we're not going to probably mess up sexually. Pray we don't. Most of us probably aren't consumed with covetousness. And I said it earlier, and I believe it, and I mean it this morning. You know what has destroyed more churches in Iredell County than fornication ever has and than covetousness ever has? Gossip slander. Christian just being mean. Word of God says this in Proverbs, life and death are in the power of the tongue. 
Man, it, 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 James chapter number 3 says it's, it, the tongue is like, it, it's a deadly poison. Man, it, it's something that no man can tame. He uses a couple of illustrations in James chapter 3. The first one, he says, the tongue is like a bridle in the, horse, in the horse's mouth. Y'all remember the passage? And that, that, little, that little bit, that little bridle can control that 2,000 pound, that little. He's saying the tongue's the same way. He uses another illustration in that same passage of a ship's rudder. And that, that huge, huge ship can be controlled by that little bitty rudder. Can I just tell you this morning that your mouth and your tongue, it controls where you go. It's the direction that you go. Man, the, the next part of that passage says it's a, it's a little fire that kindleth, yet it, it destroys a whole lot. Man, that little word, that little thing, it, talks, it, it can destroy. Not only does it direct where I go, but it can destroy what I have. Paul knew that it was a big deal for believers to talk in the way. And I'm not talking about language. I'm, not, I'm just talking about being positive and being edifying, being loving and speaking truth and grace and love. And he says, listen, he says it can cause destruction. And let me just say this. Don't be a verbal arsonist. Some of us are so mean with our words, and that's what he's, he's saying. It also, and I don't have time to go there, you know your tongue and your mouth displays who you are? What comes out shows what's in here. Man, it display it it, it, it it determines my direction. It can destroy what I have. And you know what? At the end of the day, it displays who I am. Paul says this in our text. Kill it, man. Speak words of kindness. Ephesians 4.29 says it this way. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of the, your mouth except that which is the use of edification. As Christians, guess what our words should be? Positive, loving, gracious, kind, nice. Do you know you don't have to put everybody in their place? Do you know we don't always have to get the last word in? Do you know that I don't have to give my political opinion, oh my goodness, to everybody? Some of us, if we got on fire for God like we were about politics, we'd see revival in this country. Speaking grace and love and truth. I wonder, and here's the message this morning. I wonder if maybe some of us are struggling with lust, struggling with immorality. And we're on the edge, man. And today there's some things we need to kill. There's some lines we need to draw. Maybe some of us need to go home and cancel that social media. Cancel that Facebook account. You've been messaging somebody that you shouldn't be. Cancel that Instagram account, man. You've been looking at something you shouldn't be looking at. Can't, is it my... Maybe you're on the other end and you've been consumed with what someone else has. It's driving you nuts. And here's the thing. It, it, you're going to be miserable doing that. Maybe you just need to kill it today and thank God for the house you do have, the car you do have, the stuff you do have. And just say, God, thank you for what I have. Instead of dwelling on what everybody else has. Or maybe that last one. Maybe you're like me sometimes and you say some stuff you shouldn't. Man, there's times I get caught up in the moment. Anybody else ever there? And I'm just a little meaner than I should be. A little short, shorter than I should be. Man, I wonder how those lost co-workers, I wonder how those lost co-workers right up here, I wonder how those lost co-workers feel when you're, when you're gossiping like everybody else around the water cooler, but yet they know you're a follower of Jesus. 
I wonder how those lost people in your family feel when you're mean to them because they don't believe the same thing as you do. Maybe they don't believe the same thing that you do because they've never met anybody that acts like he's actually made a difference. Is anybody waking here this morning? I just want to say this. We need to kill those things in our life. That sexual immorality. Man, that covetousness in our mouths. I want us to think about that. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand to our feet. The altar's open if you need a place to pray. I mean, you could pray at your seat. You could pray here. But give it to the Lord if you're struggling in one of those areas this morning. Listen, His Word is always on time for somebody. I want to encourage you to give it to Him this morning.